You're listening to Nostalgia Club, the podcast where we look back on our favorite childhood stories and revisit them as adults. At least one of us hasn't read or watched these series, so we also get a first-timer's opinion. Spoiler alert, we will be discussing storylines and future events beyond the first books and episodes, so proceed with caution. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. Howdy! <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping it. We're Okay. Hello. 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 We're back. We're back. Yeah. How was the intro? Did you like it? Did you listen to the whole thing through or did you press that skip button? I wouldn't blame <laughs> you if you did just because, you know, you want to hear our voices. You wanted to get back to the action. Gina, what are we talking about today? Well, first we should introduce ourselves. Oh, well. Uh, we screwed up this. <laughs> let's, <laughs> all right, let's start try over. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Hello. Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm Gino. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's over. Oh, boy. And I'm Victoria. What? <laughs> what? No, I thought we were going to... I thought it was a funny oh. intro. Yeah. Oh, it, I guess it was. Yeah. I'll cobble something together. Hello. Just... <laughs> You're listening to Nostalgia Club. I'm Gino, and I'm here with Michael and Victoria. Say hello. Hello. Hi. And today we are discussing the most beloved movie of 2005, Sky High. A cult classic, some might say. Yes. So this is actually kind of a unique episode because for the first time, all three of us have watched Sky High as children, and we've rewatched it again as adults. So there's no first time watcher, but we'll so many out. people have seen Sky High. So at this point, if you haven't seen it. Go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Victoria's about to say, go watch it. You'll like it. And I could see Gino be like, hmm. Yeah. So we decided to do this episode because it turns out Gino has some very strong opinions about Sky High that I'm very excited to hear. Gino actually wrote notes when he was watching. Didn't you guys? <laughs> well, sometimes. This last time I was like, I'll, I'll, if it's important, I guess I'll remember it. Also, I know Gino's writing a bunch of notes, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot to talk about. Yeah. Fair enough. For those of you who don't know, Sky High is a 2005 American superhero comedy film about a world full of superheroes who are constantly fighting evil and saving the day. And their kids, the younger generation of superpowered beings, all attend this high school, which is floating. It's like a floating high school in the middle of the sky that zooms around a lot so supervillains don't find it, called Sky High. And these young aspiring heroes attend this high school. They are split into... A hero category and a sidekick category, or, quote, hero support, unquote. And it is about their struggles as high schoolers and superheroes, and there's also a lot of class warfare commentary and generational trauma. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And some weird age gap relationships that you shouldn't think too hard about. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know your villain is a villain? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Before we dive into what we thought about the movie after rewatching it, Michael, what do you remember about your impressions of Sky High as a kid? Let's see. It was 2005, so I was in like fifth grade. So I was like, I don't know, 11. I want to ask, did you two see this when it came out when you were kids? I saw it on TV on the Disney Channel, probably. Okay. They were kind of just running their, like, Disney Channel original movie. I don't think this is a Disney Channel original movie. I think this is, like, actually just a movie movie that came out in theaters and whatnot. Was it? I thought it was associated with Disney. The creators worked on Kim Possible. Is that Disney? Is Kim Possible Disney? Yeah, Kim Possible is Disney, but I don't think it's officially a Buena Vista Pictures distribution. Yeah, not officially related to Disney, but they are, by association, Disney Channel-ish. Oh, wait, no, no, no. I just Googled it. Walt Disney Studios Motion Pictures, formerly known as Buena Vista Pictures Distribution. So it's basically a Disney movie. Wow. Interesting. I I will say, (laughs) one thing I I remember is when I was a kid, the scenes felt like much slower paced. Watching it back, I'm like, this movie runs at a pretty fast clip. But that's just because I think I'm a little older, and the older you get, the faster time goes. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're just not going (laughs) to think about that too much. It's just some relativity. Don't worry about it. Yeah, just, oh gosh. But as a kid, I remember enjoying it. I remember my parents really laughing a lot at a lot of the stuff the parents did or said. Specifically when Kurt Russell is upset and he's going to call the school and he breaks the phone in his hand with his super strength. And then he opens up the drawer and there's like a ton of spare phones. I remember that got a big laugh. I felt like, and maybe this is, maybe I picked it up through just being 
on the internet in the last 15 or so plus years or something, but anything superhero related gets into weird questions about like, I don't know, eugenics and like, you know, ideas of the Ubermensch and and kind of like Gina would say with class warfare. And, and I you hear a lot about the same sort of topics brought up in terms of like The Incredibles, for example, and the idea of like individual excellence or the inherent superiority of certain people that always comes into play whenever superheroes are discussed. Mm-hmm. And it makes things a little ethically dubious. Yeah. But... Watching back from a production standpoint, I just really liked it. I felt like they just did a really good job from a production level considering, I don't know, anything else they could have done. Like, there's a lot I remembered from this movie just in terms of its visuals and even its music. Like, everything in Sky High or whenever something superhero-ish is happening, the composition of the frame gets so dynamic and comic booky so intentionally. Everything in Sky High is like some kind of Dutch angle. The light's coming in at a weird angle. There's a lot of creative, like, enthusiasm put into this movie. And, gosh, the music, which I was surprised to learn upon looking up, is Michael Giacchino. Oh. And Michael Giacchino does, like, a ton of stuff with Disney A lot nowadays. of superhero movies, yeah. yeah. A lot of superhero movies. And he's, ah, he's just so good. He's just so good at what he does. I can still... Just from a single watch through of the movie back in like fifth grade, I still remember all the themes. It's burned into my brain. I'm watching the movie back literally this morning and I'm like, I know how all this music goes. There's just a lot of like very impressionable images and it's really well done. The question of the narrative and maybe the story or meaning is is something else that I'm still sort of parsing with. But I will say when I thought back on it before watching it this morning, I believed it was going to do a worse job than I think it actually did in terms of those themes. I don't know if Gino has the same feelings as I do. Really, I feel like I'm just sort of like standing here in front of a tidal wave. (laughs) So I really just want to turn it over to Gino. But first, I want to ask Victoria, you said you saw it recently, not like in the last couple days or anything, but how was it for you? I would say it was still pretty fun to watch it as an adult. I think I took it probably less seriously as an adult. I was like, ah, these kids. yeah. (laughs) But I think I remember when I watched it as a kid, mainly I thought that Layla, the plant girl, was really cool. I guess like back in those days, like anytime I watched something, I usually like attached to one of the characters, usually one of the female characters. And I was like, ah, that person is super cool. So I think some of that character attachment lingered on when I rewatched it. When I was rewatching it recently, I was like, ah, Layla deserves better. (laughs) (laughs) She's like one of, if not the best characters. Yeah. Ah, so excellent. She spends the entire movie just being like, I don't want to fight. I just want to grow plants and help people. And also I have this crush on this guy who doesn't really like give me the time of day anymore. He's my best friend. And then suddenly he's not. And at the end, it's like all of a sudden his feelings change. And I was like, no, Layla, you deserve better. (sighs) Layla does deserve better. (laughs) It shouldn't have been a romantic thing at the end. They should have just gone back to being friends. Yeah. If anything. I mean, back when this movie came out, that was the very common storyline. If there are two best friends... At the beginning of a movie, they're probably going to end up together at the end of the movie. I think it helps that, like, she was the one with the feelings Mm -hmm. versus what I think most often happens is it's, like, the stereotypical, like, male protagonist with the feelings and then just, like, for reasons, the female character is just, like, a love interest who then has to, like, for the purposes of the story and the plot, enter a romantic relationship with the male character at the end. I would say it kind of goes both ways. In this case, my main thing with it is that Will, the main character, spends most of the movie in love with this other girl. And then all of a sudden is like, just kidding. I suddenly have feelings for my best friend, which I don't think happens in real life. It would be more realistic to be like, oh, I actually realized you mean a lot more to me than I have been acting like. Maybe we should think about that. And take some time to explore that relationship rather than at the very end. It's like, I've loved you all along. I mean, it is like, oh, we got it in the movie with a, a nice shot. And they're like yeah. spinning in the air kissing. And yeah. I'm like, eh, it's not there's not a whole lot cue in this. Like he just apologized for being a, a huge jerk two hours ago. <laughs> yeah. But like I was watching it within the lens of like, this is a 2005 film. That's true. And so I think I gave it a pass on some things just being like, 
that's what a lot of movies were like back in the day. It's a really fun movie. I enjoy all the crazy, wacky powers that the characters have. I really like that one guy who just, like, lights up like a glow stick. (laughs) (laughs) Very useful. I like the guinea pig girl. She's fun, too. It's just a fun movie to look back on and also to even just watch now. And a lot of celebrities in the cast. Yeah. We got Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell is the father slash the commander slash number one real estate broker in the city. I guess. (laughs) A lot of titles to juggle. He's half of our composite Superman. Yeah. Uh, His wife is... Kelly Preston, the other half of the Superman. Who can fly. Together they make one hero. (laughs) (laughs) Mary Elizabeth Winstead is also in this. Always excellent. Always excellent. Patrick Warburton? Is her alternate voice? Yeah. Which I just learned that now. The Dean from Community (laughs) is in... That's who that was. I was racking my brain. The henchman. The henchman. Jim Rash is his name, who plays both the most imposing character I've ever seen him play and also exactly the character I expected him to play (laughs) at the same time. We've got Stephen Strait as War and Peace, also known as... Early Zuko. <laughs> Early Zuko. <laughs> I just want to point out Stephen Strait. I didn't realize this. He plays uh, James Holden in The Expanse, which is a pretty big sci-fi show uh, nowadays. And I guess this was, I think, his like first acting audition and first acting role. Yeah, literally. Wow. And he does a great job. Yeah, he's really good. The two characters I like most in this are Layla, Plant Katara, <laughs> <laughs> and War and Peace, very fun comic booky name, played by Stephen Strait. They both do an excellent job, and my favorite scene in the whole movie is just them in the restaurant mm-hmm. talking, because they're just the best characters. They're just great, and they bring, especially Stephen Strait, a nuance to their roles that feels very, like, just feels very good. It's a very good character-driven scene. Also, we got Linda Carter, also known as, like, OG Wonder Woman, right? Who plays the principal. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. really cool. And we got others here. The nurse, Cloris Leachman, who I think was also in the OG Wonder Woman series. That was one thing I specifically remember uh, watching the movie for the first time. My parents going like, oh, my gosh, when she came on screen. She just has a bit role, and she does it real well. I love her line delivery of, you know, normally, uh, you know, kids, uh, they'll get bit by a radioactive bug or fall in a pool of toxic waste, and they'll get their powers the next day. Or die. (laughs) And she like throws a little piece of scrap paper in the trash can and is just like, ooh, nice. (laughs) I I think the director said, at least what it says on Wikipedia, is that the conceit of Sky High is that the adults are insane and the girls are smarter than the boys, which is interesting. And accurate. And accurate. It feels very 2005. It's like gendered in a way that maybe you wouldn't necessarily see now. It would just be part of the fabric of it. Like, it's just like understood that in general, the female characters tend to be more mature or behave more maturely and demonstrate more intelligence as like a standard, it seems, within narratives than a lot of the boys who typically cliche wise and honestly in real life tend to be (laughs) um, a lot more immature and just kind of dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dumb? Never. Oh, gosh, Will. I was actually... Will dumb every scene (laughs) of this movie. (laughs) Will dumb every scene. I will say, I feel like Will... I've seen, like, male protagonists that, like, are Will, our main character here, and honestly, are much worse than how Will is. Like, Will's not great. Part of it is suffering from protagonist syndrome, and part of it is just, he's a guy. (laughs) I think he handled the situations the way that a character would naturally handle them. Like, he has the pressure of being the kid of two super-powered, super-famous parents, and he doesn't have powers, like... That would definitely, like, mess with your brain a little bit and your self-confidence. At the end, when it's revealed that his girlfriend is actually, like, evil and also way older than him, he's immediately like, ugh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yeah, that's the reaction you should have. Yeah. I was pleasantly surprised that I didn't mind Will as much as I thought I might. He's not the brightest tool in the shed, but when he realizes something's wrong, he very quickly, like, tries to fix the situation. And he never makes any, like, big conscious choices that cause problems. It's mostly just small situations where he's not totally in control, where he, like, causes issues. He's not, like, dumb to the point of, like... He's not malicious. Yeah. Yeah. He's more manipulated by Gwen. He's trying. And he's, like, he's trying his best. He's really trying. (laughs) Yeah. I think the thing that made me okay with him, because I feel like we've seen male characters that are much worse when it comes to interacting with their friends, is that... 
like you're saying, it's more he just he has good intentions, but can never really follow through and do the right thing until the end. Initially, you know, what? let's just break down the plot real quick. So Will, child of these super powered, most famous, super powerful parents, has been hiding the fact that he doesn't have any superpowers. It's his first day of going to sky high. He gets there. They do a whole like hero placement thing. Show us your powers. We'll tell you if you're going to be in the hero course or the hero support sidekick course. And Will reveals, I don't have any powers. He gets made a sidekick. He quickly makes friends with, it seems like, some people he's known from grade school, as well as new people, including his best friend Layla, who secretly has a crush on him, and goes into hero support, and they have a great time. And when his dad finds out he doesn't have powers, his dad's upset. He doesn't really take it out on him. He's just... It's the classic, like, father disappointed the son Mm -hmm. can't be everything he wants. There's a great line in this movie where Kurt Russell's like, all I wanted for him was to save the world. And I'm like, gosh, (laughs) if that doesn't register on, like, a deep level. And Will, in that moment, stands up for his friends, if only because it's his only choice, if anything, right? Yeah. He's like, I'm proud to be here as support. And you can see his friends, especially Layla, are kind of like, eh, all right. Like, we feel kind of bad for him, but Layla kind of looks at him like, "I'm, I'm glad he, like, he stuck up for us. He didn't try and, like, backpedal or do anything. And then Will gets in a fight with Warren Peace, who is the son of a supervillain that Will's father put in jail. And in the fight, Warren's about to threaten his friends. Will finds the strength. His powers emerge. He has super strength like his, uh, like his father. And quickly that spirals out into the popular people of the hero course embracing Will. Will gets put in the hero course. A divide starts to form between him and his hero support friends. Will kind of tries to straddle the line, uh, have exist in both spaces at once, but he keeps getting pulled more to the popularity side. And he likes it. And he likes the attention he's getting from this upperclassman. I don't know if she's an upperclassman. Yeah, she's an upperclassman. She's a senior. She's a senior. Her name's Gwen. She's like the TA, basically, of a class that he takes. And he walks into the class because classes have already started and he just joined the hero course. So the teacher is like, oh, like sit next to Gwen and she'll be your basically your lab partner for the rest of the semester or whatever. Obviously, he's immediately like, wow, a pretty girl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, to be fair, it's Mary Elizabeth Winston. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her power is she's a technopath. Which is super cool. Super cool. I love her powers, too. Oh, yeah. She's got a little lightning coming from, like, yeah. her... Isn't it like she can deconstruct and reconstruct any technology at will? Yeah. She does it once. She does it once. <laughs> and then another time off screen. And then a bunch at the end. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Ultimately, Gwen, this love interest for Will, is secretly a supervillain who Will's father, uh, in a battle with many years ago, defeated and her her supervillainous weapon, this thing called the pacifier, which turns people into babies, exploded. And turned her into a baby. Turned her into a baby, but no one knew except for her henchman who raised her up from a baby. She retained all her memories for comic booky reasons, I guess. And she devised this plan because uh, when she was in Sky High, she was deemed a, a hero support sidekick, which she was very upset about. Um, Ah, yes. No one knew really what a technopath was at the time. And she was very upset at this injustice placed against her and uh, formulated this plan. Rising back up into teenagerdom, she finds a way to get a party going at Will's parents' house, uses the opportunity to work with some of the other popular kids in the hero course who are bullies and also, I guess, in on the plan to steal the pacifier that Will's father had taken as a trophy from the battle long ago. They're in on it for no real reason besides, I like to pick on people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bad person. I mean, I guess it's also because they're like Gwen's inner circle in a way. And so as popular kids do they just follow the most popular person and those lemmings those sheep well also they spend a lot of the movie like picking on the other kids and then they get in trouble for it so i think they really appreciate just getting to let loose and cause chaos even if they maybe don't fully believe in gwen's plot when will realizes what's going on he's looking at his dad's old yearbook and he sees his girlfriend in the old yearbook and he initially believes oh my girlfriend is this woman's daughter and she's yeah. trying to get revenge. And then she reveals to him at the end, no, I was turned into a baby. Yeah. I'm actually like, I don't know, as old as your parents, mentally yeah. speaking. Yeah. 
So she's basically like a 40-year-old woman in the body of like a 19-year-old. Because there's this picture in like the yearbook of like the science club where they're holding up the completed pacifier. There's a lot of fun little details in this. Yeah. And I was trying to look at the kids around her to see if they looked like the other bullies in the hero course that she hangs out with. Like they were all turned back into babies. Ooh. But I don't think so. No, it was just her. It was just her. Yeah. And also, I just wanted to bring up one of my favorite lines that Gwen says. At one point in the movie, she goes, I went through puberty twice for this. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. It's Uh, a very good line. You know, if I had to go through puberty twice, I would also be full of rage and revenge, you know? (laughs) I feel like, in a way, Gwen would have rather been put in, like, prison or something. Yeah. And then formulated her revenge there than had to grow up and be a baby. Can you imagine, like, being even just, like, a 25-year-old in a baby's body and just being like, I can't do anything. <laughs> just knowing that you have five more years before your hands become yeah. dexterous enough <laughs> oh my to, gosh. like, operate machinery. It's enough to make anyone go absolutely yeah, I think I would lose my mind. I'd be <sighs> like, I know how to walk. I know how to stand. But for some reason, my limbs aren't strong enough to do this (laughs) knowing how to speak but not being able to make your mouth form the words alternatively maybe she was like a genius baby that's true and probably moved through like the life stages faster but it'd still be frustrating to be like i can't reach the top shelf yeah because that does put the hole in her plan which is to lure the commander and Jetstream, will's parents to sky high for homecoming uh reveal that she is actually the supervillain royal pain voiced by patrick warburton <laughs> because she has a cool helmet i really like her suit and basically turn everyone there all of the superheroes and hero support and staff and everyone into babies and then truck them all out on a bus and start her own school of, I don't know, supervillainy, whatever she defines that as. But they all retain their memories. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, if she oh, retained yeah. her memories... It's just, not a good plan. It's not It's not a good plan. But then again, I don't know what sort of person thinks to themselves, uh, you know what I want to do? I want to create a <laughs> weapon that turns people into babies. That's practical. I will say, if you're trying to dismantle a system or, or defeat a system, rather, because I don't know if she's interested in dismantling... It as much as she is in having her way. She was trying to recreate the system in her image. Yes. And if you're going to take out a bunch of superheroes that sort of pride themselves on being ubermensches in their own right, maybe you're going to think to yourself, maybe I shouldn't create something that lets me punch real hard. Maybe I'll give myself that ability if I need it. But I'll just turn them into babies and completely neutralize them. So I guess in a way that is pretty smart from one angle. It is very embarrassing. And they hate being embarrassed. That's true. Everyone's got big egos when when they're heroes. Big egos. Technically speaking, like, she could control them infinitely by just keep turning them into babies again. I guess. Yeah. Gosh, that's like, that's when you start getting dark. Like, all right, you're going to do what I say or I'm going to turn you into a baby. Or like... You will never die. I will routinely turn you back. Immortality as a baby. As a punishment. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, wow. Or just, like, the idea of, like, she has them all locked up, and then when they get to the point when they start being able to use their powers or start being able to walk or something, then she's like, nope, back to being a newborn. That would suck. That's not even, like, a plan anymore. That's just revenge. That's just torture, yeah. They beat her at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The hero support aren't turned into babies, and they save the day. And they get a little round of applause. They get Hooray. a trophy. <laughs> they get one trophy for the four and of them. And then I think them, at the end of the movie, they kind of restructure the idea of the school a little a little bit. I don't think they do. Oh, they no. don't? Uh, they don't. <laughs> I think it's implied that, like, you know what? We all learned a valuable lesson today. Hero support can be heroes, too. Next week on Sky High, everything <laughs> resets and we go back to normal. <laughs> That's one of my biggest gripes with the movie. But But in the movie's defense, I do want to say I agree with your points. The art direction of this movie is immaculate. The set design is incredible. The visual effects, for the time, are pretty good, and they hold up pretty well. Oh, yeah. Like, you can see the cracks, but nothing is too out there to really pull your attention away from the movie. And also, the set design does help make those kind of cheesy effects work. The writing is really good, just like the dialogue is really, really good. The characters are very well thought out. The world is also there. yeah world's not exactly the big focus and the more you think about it the more you're like this feels kind of like a nightmare yeah but it's a fun movie and it's a well-made movie and the most important part i think is that everyone who worked on the movie as an actor on screen they all seem like they're having fun Mm. which i think is important for any movie yeah 
so I have a big long list and I'm not going to hit every point because a lot of them are just my reactions to things. <laughs> I wrote at the beginning of this movie, ask no questions about this world for you will receive no answers, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is very accurate. First thing I noticed when I was watching this movie last night, one of the villains is named King Kamehameha. That's so rude. That's so rude. Wait, what's the name? King, I think they pronounce it like Kamehameha or Kamehameha. King Kamehameha is a Hawaiian-themed villain in the movie. Yeah, that doesn't really... Oh, no. uh, that's a real guy. Yeah, that's That a was real, a real no. guy. He was the real king of Hawaii, and he was super cool, as far as I can tell. So, so. a little messed up. <laughs> yeah. The f- over the phone walla is literally just some guy going, which is hilarious. <laughs> hilarious to me. He's like, yes, mayor. And the mayor's like, <laughs> they really took the idea of walla seriously. There's another phone call moment where Gwen is on the phone with like the, her cheerleader friend henchman who can duplicate herself. Mm-hmm. And you hear like all the clones talking over the phone. In a few different instances. And she's like, I can't, I, I can't yeah. understand when you're all talking. And then at the end of the phone call, you hear like six of them go, hurry. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I think that's great in the movie. I don't fault them at all. I think that's just really funny. You're good. Keep going. I want to. I think trying you should to just hit... list all of your thoughts and we'll challenge whichever ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hitting the important ones. How do these two, these, these two parents, they love their son. They're very supportive. They're the worst parents on the planet. How do you not realize your son can't fly or lift things a thousand pounds? How do you not realize this? He's really good at hiding it. Like at the beginning, he's like lifting. He's pretending to lift weights. I mean, that's, that's good for that situation. But these parents are clearly never home. They're that's clearly true. Yeah, 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 yeah. They are both extremely busy, which at first when their cover was like the best real estate agents in the city, I was like, OK, sure. No one has time for that. But they do make an effort in the movie to show that they are always on their real estate grind. And that's their backup plan for Will, if he doesn't have powers, is to make him the best real estate agent. So that's that's good. They're, they're supportive in that. But that means they're working literally 24-7. They yeah. have no time for Will. Yeah. They do not pay attention to him. Horrible parents. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, when they have to be, after Kurt Russell gets like upset because he's like, what do you mean you're not a hero? They, they do... They are supportive. They're just not around. Yeah. They, they buy him an Xbox. They Never buy- mind. <laughs> Best parents in the world. <laughs> I never got an Xbox. Uh- <laughs> just like Royal Payne's henchman. There's that line where he's like, yeah. you know, time would go a lot faster if we had an Xbox. Yeah. <laughs> this henchman has been waiting 18 years for this plan to commence. So That's a loyal Super guy. loyal henchman. Yeah. You know what? I actually have a headcanon here. This explains why the popular kids work with Royal Pain and why her henchman is so dedicated. It's my headcanon that she that she has a technology that she designed from being a technopath that like is basically a kind of like mind control. Ooh. And it's not one that she could like mass replicate or use on a ton of people. It's like maybe some kind of surgical implant. Ooh. Like something real real Dang. specific and dark. Yeah. But that's why she has like these kids that will just do whatever she says. And why her henchman was willing to raise her back from a baby for 18 years. I had an alternate hypothesis that the henchman, who in the movie seems very subservient, is actually the one in charge. But she doesn't, the the villain doesn't know this. The henchman has been pulling the strings, manipulating her from behind her back. I mean, honestly, it's entirely possible because when she's a baby, I feel like even if you maintained your memories, there's still going to be things that you can be manipulated to believing that's true when you're being right when your only point of contact as you're growing up is your henchman Mm. so it's entirely possible this henchman could have been feeding her like basically like grooming her in a way to wow that's some little finger stuff yeah yeah. some strange game of thrones like reversal yeah and the henchman is just acting like oh i'm just at your service but really he's the mastermind or whatever insidious or even if you know that if you're trying to manipulate someone and you know that they hate something so much yeah anything to do it it's really easy to like direct if if you're trying to do that same thing it's really easy to direct them towards that Mm -hmm. my memory for this movie when i watched it as a kid was fairly accurate in some points and like i realized some of the things i hated about the movie growing up or misremembered this bus driver at first i was like this is the worst bus driver ever (laughs) you do not grab the new kid turn them around face the class and say hey kids (laughs) look at this weirdo you never do that don't do that to a kid ever (laughs) and then he immediately like did some sick moves in the bus and i was like never mind he's awesome (laughs) i do love the bus driver 
Ron Wilson. As a kid, I really wanted a bus that could fly. <laughs> After watching that movie, I was like, I want to go to school in a flying bus. That would be so cool. Specifically a bus? Yeah. You didn't want like a, a race car or... No, 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 no. A, a big, flying bus. A big tractor. So you could be with the other kids and yeah. all having fun. <laughs> I'm a friend. I'm a bus. I'm a flying bus. Yeah. The fact that he has a card is great. The fact that he had a bus driver card. Ron, bus driver. That makes him great. Let's see. Going down my list of notes, Layla's comment about orientation that it sounds fascist. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Layla is on her game the entire movie. She's the most well-adjusted person in the whole cast. Yeah. Fantastic. They really paint her, though, as like, oh, she's like the hippie, like, vegetarian. Like. Uh, she's not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler alert. She's, she's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> the coach's name is Coach Boomer. Which in the modern context is incredible because <laughs> oh he, my because immediately he just says all the things that a stereotypical like <laughs> yeah. meaning boomer would That's say. That's so true. They predicted boomers before they were even called boomer. Well, wow. no, they were called baby boomers. But still, no though, one said like, okay, boomer back then. I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm ready for Gino to lay down the law. But there's a lot of big brain stuff in this movie. <laughs> there is. There is a small brain moment. The shape-shifting kid turns into Coach Boomer, and the Coach Boomer slaps the kid's butt. Yeah, that's weird. That's a child. Don't slap his butt. <laughs> Don't do that, Coach Boomer. One of these notes here just says, man's glowing. He is. He sure is glowing. He sure <sighs> is glowing. That kid does a good job. Guinea pig girl can talk as a guinea pig, which I think is more impressive than turning into a guinea pig. <laughs> the real question yeah. is, can she talk to other guinea pigs? Ooh. I assume yes, but I don't think they can talk back. <laughs> I don't know, though. Because you think about uh, shape-shifting. Like it's like Ant-Man. You know, Ant-Man can talk to ants. Well, he has technology that lets okay, him talk. that's true. <laughs> He's not like, hey, go do this. And he... I just, okay, this is a side note. I just really wish I had the power to talk to ants so I could tell them to leave my house. <laughs> that's the superpower I want. Incredible. What if you could, like, talk to ants and tell them to leave your house, but you realize they just wanted something completely different? They're like, where's your Xbox? <laughs> You're like, what? I'd be like, what? I don't have an Xbox. Like, that's that's the big existential quandary of ants, is that from time immemorial, they have known about and been looking for an Xbox to play it, but they physically cannot play an Xbox. I love that. I love that character arc. That's incredible. Well, there are ants that, like, in, infest technology. Oh, interesting. I think they're called pharaoh ants. Pharaoh ants. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, You're, this is your ant fact. We're going day. on a tangent. <laughs> about I, my ants. favorite bug is an ant, so that's why I oh, know nice. this stuff. I'll yeah, give a new I'll facts. give a new ant fact every episode. How about? <laughs> anyway, continue, Gino. At the point where they are doing their orientation, they are choosing between hero support and heroes. I put a note down. Oh, this movie's about classism because it is. <laughs> this movie's about classism. There are little comments throughout the movie, like in the cafeteria, an announcement over the PA system says, "Hero support." Please stop eating the hero sandwiches. <gasps> yeah. Wow, they even differentiate the food. They differentiate the food, what resources are given to hero support, how they're treated, how they're talked to in society. And it's just Coach Boomer just deciding who gets like the entire yeah. future of their careers and the Based future of their lives. Based on one test. Based on, Based one, on one test. test. And it all comes down to how useful are your physical abilities to society at this moment? Mm. That's all it is. That's true. It's like yeah. being a guinea pig is a really cool power. Is it very useful at this current moment? Not really. But sure is at the end. Yeah, sure I, is at the th end. That's a big thing. She saves the school. Yeah. But that's also... But I okay. was going to wait no, for go, this. Okay, it's okay. It's, we'll let you continue. Okay, okay. Go ahead. I'm just going gonna, gonna to just speed through. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's power is that song specifically. The bum, 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 bum. That, that song that plays whenever she's on screen and what looks at her? You know what yeah, I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, It's, um, oh, what's the name? Why can't I think of the name? There's a lot of, like, covers of 80s hits or whatever. Yeah. And it's, like, 70s a, and 80s hits. There's a lot of licensed music in this. Um, but I remember uh, viscerally power? as a kid when watching this movie, that song burned into my brain because whenever she came on screen and that played, I hate that song. Wow. <laughs> I don't hate it. I just, like... Heard it too much as a kid, and now I'm just like, please get out of my brain. To be fair, it's it's used, I think, a lot. They drop a car on Will, and he dodges the car perfectly? That's pretty impressive. That is pretty impressive. He doesn't get hurt at all. Yeah. Simultaneously, that's how you kill children, Coach Boomer. Don't drop cars on them when they ask you not to drop cars on them. Mm -hmm. Well, That's remember, they used die. to use real citizens for Save the Citizen. They did. Oh, this, yeah. is a, this is a dystopian this is. world. 
There are vats of toxic waste just around everywhere enough to where kids are falling in consistently. They use the villains after they capture them for save the citizen. Like they lower the henchmen into the spinning rotating blades what? that no, chop no, no, up no, no, the mannequin. No, that was um that was a joke. Oh. At the end, he was like, and now we have another person for save the citizen. And the henchman is like, it's in a comic like panel that they use for the the narration framing. Propaganda by the by the <laughs> authorities to make you forget that they used to use real citizens. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Will's like, no, it's, uh, I'm just kidding. They're all just in a comedic jail with like prison bars. Mm. I don't know. Whatever. Is it bad that like if they didn't clarify, I could have believed it from this movie? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, going back to my notes, there's a comment about supervillains infiltrating the IRS. That's already happened. They're called TurboTax. <laughs> also, the Stronghold family pole slide into their secret lair. Like firemen. Huh. Like firemen. How do they get out? Like, I know one of them can fly, but the other one's just like climbing back up the pole. Oh, Maybe they have stairs. He has super strength. Oh, that's true. But like Will and they Gwen just, just like Will. shimmying oh, up the yeah. pole. Don't think about it. There's a lot, like you said, Gio, there's a lot in this movie. Don't think about it. <laughs> Maybe there's technology where the pole can also go up. I don't know. An escalator pole or yeah, something. Yeah. It just pulls up. Escalator pole. Okay, Layla's powers are obscenely powerful. Oh, yeah. She can make any tree give her an apple. Yeah. Any tree. Solve world hunger. But, well, <laughs> I guess she can't do it alone. I guess. Also... In a scene, she says, I never use my powers unless I really need them. And then the very next scene, she uses her powers to get up and talk to Will. So I guess she really needed to talk to Will. I mean, she's a teenager. How many times have you as a teenager had like a stance and then you're just like, don't stand by it because you're a teenager. (laughs) More comments about class warfare. Like, I don't know, Will Stronghold's dad when Will's like, oh, yeah, I'm friends with the sidekicks. Like his face... Like, that's the face, like, a white person makes when I walk into their house and they're like, oh, I didn't realize my son's friend was Korean. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> that's, re- that's really accurate, though. Oh, my gosh. What are the, what's, what's the phrase? Uh, uh, art imitates life. Yeah. <laughs> Will understands class warfare except when he is distracted by horny. <laughs> Honestly, though... Art imitates life. (laughs) It's like, again, Will is trying his best, but he's also a teenage boy. He's reacting like any teenager would in the situation where he's like, I'm popular and this pretty girl likes me. What am I like? I'm not especially a freshman. Yeah, yeah. Who starts the movie with terrible insecurities Mm -hmm. and then is like, oh, things are happening. People like me. Oh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead has a crush on me? Yeah, sure, I'll roll with it. I don't yeah, yeah. care. I, I, yeah, I he's do He's still sympathize. culpable. He's still responsible yeah. for his actions or his, like, lack thereof. But he's also a kid. Yeah. yeah. And kids, they, they're dumb. Yeah. I, Will I is especially. <laughs> the Chinese food place that they go to, that place looks awesome. Yeah. That Chinese food restaurant has amazing set design. I wanted Chinese food so bad. <laughs> Will hates Chinese food. Will. Will has Stop no it. taste. What? Will no taste. He hates Chinese food. Ugh. Except for fortune cookies, apparently, because he gobbles those up. I missed that line. Well, Will's dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. It is a nice line from Will, though, because he says he hates Chinese food, but he's willing to go there for Layla. That's Aww. true. Which is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. And then he Friendship. stands her up because, of course, he does. Because horny. <laughs> oh, Victoria, I wanted to ask. Okay. The either Mandarin or Cantonese spoken in that scene. By War and Peace, how was that? Oh, I remember. <laughs> it's actually pretty good, I it's think. It's pretty good? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Great. I think it's Cantonese. I have to go back and rewatch that scene again, but I specifically remember reacting to that. Hello, Victoria here. I just wanted to say I did watch the clip, and I do stand by what I said. He did do a pretty good job. I understand that Cantonese is a difficult language to speak. It has nine tones, at least. The fact that I could understand what he said is pretty good. So good job, War and Peace, for speaking Cantonese well. But I'm pretty sure it was, like, decent. I've seen worse. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight. (laughs) We don't talk about Moon Knight. Because the actor is Italian. And War and Peace is clearly, like, white. So I guess he's just made an effort to learn the language of the place he works Well, like, yeah, he works there. I'm sure, like, he could probably pick up some things. Oh, sure. All I'm saying is War and Peace... What a guy. What a guy. Gosh. I mean, I know the point's already been made. Characters are written so well. 
I love how even after Layla is like using War and Peace to try and make Will jealous or whatever, Warren is still just like, like a lesser writer would have like had them try and develop a romantic bond, which to be fair, I would have been okay with because they're the two best characters in the whole movie. But like, it's truer to Warren Peace's character that when he realizes these kids that he doesn't want around him because he's a loner are like gravitating toward him and like don't really respect him or fear him anymore. He's just like, I don't want to be a part of this drama. <laughs> like, she's like, I just want to use you to get to Will. And he's like, okay, fine. But stop being buddy-buddy with me. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, it just made me think of Gino and your description of your, like, <laughs> high school experience where everyone had all this drama and you were like, I don't want to be involved. Freshman year me was Will and then senior me was War and Peace. <laughs> <laughs> Except I not do, nearly as cool. Actually, speaking of Warren, I remember at the very end in the homecoming scene, suddenly he starts, like, holding hands with this one girl and dancing with her. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> It's because she has ice powers. And he's like, oh, and I have fire powers. And so when you hold hands, it cancels out, Yeah, I guess. (laughs) They're both the strong, silent type. It was another classic, like, suddenly we have to just pair people up for no reason. I mean, it's a dance. Yeah, I know. He can dance, I suppose. Let Warren dance. I at least prefer it to, like, I don't know, everyone dancing and Warren's just, like, at the bar, like, mmm, juice. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's fine. You're allowed. It's true. Don't make people dance. But let him. If he wants to. The party scene, this laser eye kid shoots laser eyes into this crystal to make the disco effect at the party scene, which continues for the entire party. Which means this kid is shooting laser eyes into this crystal (laughs) for the entire party. That poor kid. Dedication. Doesn't blink once. I hope he gets paid at parties to do that, you know? (laughs) Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's one of those like... Everyone's like, hey, I'm throwing a party. Are you available Saturday at 8 p.m. to be the disco ball? And he's like... Sorry, man, I already got booked for another party. (laughs) The party does have my favorite line in the entire movie, which is when Mary Elizabeth Winstead is about to kiss Will and the door to, I guess, the closet they're hiding in opens and the speedster looks in and says, sorry, I was looking for a bucket (laughs) and walks away. I was like, yes, accurate party line. (laughs) Why does he want a bucket? I don't know. Could be anything. Anything. Yeah. Looking for a bucket. Mary Elizabeth Winstead's entire character can be summarized as Gaslight, Girl Boss, and Gatekeep. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's yeah, true. yeah. <laughs> when Will's parents return to the party and find it in full swing and become very angry, and the commander yells at everyone to get out and they sprint out, accurate, because he can kill all of you. <laughs> he can kill you. And everyone knows this. Yeah. And then if your parents come looking for your dead body, he'll kill your parents. <laughs> and he's Kurt Russell, so he's got public opinion on his side. There was a scene where someone had chopstick in their hair. Mm-mm. Don't do that. Don't put chopstick in your hair. <laughs> okay. Getting to the end. Third act go. of the superhero movie is always a little dicey. Okay. First, Liquid Boy. Boy, you can turn into liquid. He's better than I remember. <laughs> I didn't realize that he could move in liquid form, which is way better than what I remember, in which he just turns into liquid and then has to turn back into boy. <laughs> I was worried that if you, like, separated some of the liquid from the other half of the well, liquid... Well, he literally gets swirlies. Yeah. That was my thing. I was like, he turns into goo, and then they, like, put his head in the toilet. And then what happens is some of the goo gets flushed down into the sewer. So many questions. Did, is he I, just it's... missing, some like, hair? I don't know. Maybe it's Iron Giant rules. Yeah. Or maybe maybe he's goo, but like the atomic bonds are just so strong because I mean atomic bonds are very strong. So mm-hmm. like even though he's like gooey yeah. and can like it's stretch hard and to stuff. Like, actually separate particles out. Maybe. I guess. I'm I still think that his power has more dangers than benefits. But the fact that he can move around while he's goo I I respect that. He's better than I remember. <laughs> but does he deserve to be a hero? Does he deserve to be here? Do any of them deserve to be heroes? And furthermore, the hero system, which they do not dismantle. They don't. They don't dismantle it. They reward Glow Boy and Guinea Pig Girl, not because they find their abilities inherently useful, but because their abilities were useful at that moment in that specific circumstance. If it was someone else, they would have gotten the award and Glow Boy would have gotten nothing. Mm. Right. So this society only awards people whose abilities are useful in the circumstances that require them to be useful. Mm -hmm. And if you're just generally not useful to them, they don't care about you. You You're a second class citizen. It brings up an interesting question then, because clearly 
the powers they find the most useful tend to be capable of exerting great physical force. There's a great line from Professor Medulla when he's in the mad science class when Will is with um, Gwen. I forget the line that preempts it. Gwen shows off her technopath power, makes a, a freeze ray so that Will doesn't, you know, earn the ire of Professor Medulla. And Will's like, that's really cool. That's really awesome power. I just... I just know how to, like, hit things real hard. And Professor Medulla walks by with a killer line, and he goes, and yet he'll be the one on cereal boxes. Show me the justice in that. It's a known quantity. The sort of extra weight placed, like, even by the staff to a certain degree, the extra weight placed off of flashy, materially impressive feats of strength that, honestly, we, I mean, not as much in the real world, just because there's more you know, room for stuff and yeah. and interest in the real world, but... Like athletes. Like athletes. And soldiers. And obviously there's way more nuance in the real world. Yeah. But it's a, it's a thing. The it's idea. an issue. Yeah. Um, so it brings up the question of why do they find, for example, super strength or flying or turning into a giant rock monster more valuable? And one argument is, oh, that's just because those are the powers that tend to be the most useful for the threats that they face. But a lot of information in the movie indicates that that is not the case and that there's just something innate about whatever the culture is that places more importance on these other powers that are maybe more flashy or superficially impressive that aren't necessarily useful in every circumstance and therefore the system is flawed and it doesn't get dismantled. Yeah. So so here's the thing. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I keep calling her Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but her character's name is Gwen. Gwen is a villain because the system did not value her. The system created her, mm -hmm. in a way. And the main characters, all the sidekicks and Will and, and, and all the main characters, come to understand that the system is unfair, not only to them, but the people around them. It creates an unbalanced culture, and it generates supervillains who hate the heroes for personal reasons due to this classist, fascist system. Or I don't know if but you call it fascist. But does the society want that? It's, I like, <laughs> it's super weird. I feel mm -hmm. like it's not entirely fascist in a way because it's not like they're not like loyal to the institution of the school there's a lot of like meritocracy like ruthless meritocracy involved of like prove that you individually are like incredible the personal ego of these people is greater than their alliance to some kind of idea of i don't know a fatherland quote unquote so it's like it's still bad but it's hard to like wrap my mind around right so Everyone understands that this system is flawed. And then at the end of the movie, the heroes have a chance to make an impact on the system. And they don't. They yeah. never do. They mm. never advocate for changing the system, except for Layla, who in the end also doesn't advocate for changing the system and instead asphyxiates. Is that the word? Asphyxiates? As asphyxiates. Outside in the stratosphere as she's kissing Will. <laughs> oh, I was like, what? How are they breathing out there? I don't know. Anyway. They're pretty high up. This is the big thing. You don't thing. need to breathe when you're making out with someone. <laughs> this is the big problem I have with the movie. The movie's good. It's fun. It's well made. I enjoyed watching it. But when you have a hero who is fighting injustice within the system and fighting a villain who finds fault with the system and wants to change it, mm -hmm. you need to have the hero affect the culture, the system that created this villain. Yeah. You can't have the hero who just go, and back to the status quo, everything's fine. That's the big thing that I have with this movie, is that at the end of the day, nothing changes, everything just goes back to the way it was, and therefore the message that the movie is trying to make falls apart. This message of, of classism and anyone can be a hero and the value society places on you is not necessarily the value you actually have, etc., it just all falls apart. Also, Goo Boy, but I was wrong about Goo Boy. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel about Glow Stick Boy? Glow Stick Boy has got dance moves, and therefore he's fine. Nice. I love I love his interactions with, uh, is it Magenta? Is that her name? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, where he's like, he's trying to play it cool all the time because he like clearly likes her, and he's like, homecoming's so lame. I'm not going. And she's like, she's just being herself. And she's like, I'm going to go. And he's like, oh, oh, do you want to go? <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, gosh, dancing is so lame. And she's like, do you want to dance? He's like, yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that like he visually thinks that she's this antisocial, like thinks everything conventionally, high schooly is lame. And she's like, no, actually, like, I'm fine with it. This is just my face. <laughs> he's like, oh, OK, OK. Yeah, it's great. It's very cute. 
I want to respond to Gino's point because I agree with pretty much everything you say. Though I think specifically with Gwen's character, there's a little more going on. It's a little bit of both, I think. She is created by the system in such a way that demonstrates how the system needs to change. But I don't think the system made her into the villain that she was. There's a few points where I think it's revealed itself. One is if you reach the point where you're willing to turn a, a ton of people into babies and turn them into <laughs> supervillains, we don't know what she means by supervillain. So we, even if we want to like give her the benefit of the doubt that like a supervillain in her mind is just like a superpowered Peace Corps and this world is just so backwards that that's the idea of a supervillain, <laughs> then that's fine. Either way, turning a bunch of people into babies and removing like their, their free will is pretty messed up. I don't think it's easy to get to that point without being maybe a little predisposed. That said, at the end, in her monologue, she's talking to the commander as a baby. She's holding him, like, in her cape. And she describes her experience at Sky High as being negative because she wasn't given what she felt she deserved. Mm. She felt she was entitled to being in the superhero program. She said, the very institution that dared to spurn my genius, like, I was the most powerful, I was the most intelligent, I deserved to be up there. I deserved to be a superhero. And they told me I couldn't. Now, there's some validity to this idea of like knowing what you have to offer and being told by an institution and the people affected and influenced by all around you that you don't deserve to have a chance or a shot. It's okay to be very upset about that and want to change it and want to find your place where you think you can make a good difference. But where it all comes together for me that clarifies her as not being specifically a product of the system's ill effects and more a representative of the kind of evil that can develop in the system is that she and Will, and I had never noticed this when I was in, you know, when I first saw the movie. <laughs> it was like an 11-year-old in fifth grade. But she and Will are actually very similar in a lot of ways. She went through the high school experience in the hero support role. And then she was turned into a baby. She got to do it all again, but she was treated as a hero. When she did that, she did not change her behavior, she was nice, but she wasn't actually kind. Hmm. She was pleasant and diplomatic, but she still looked at hero support as not something to really respect or like or treat any differently insofar as they didn't provide a use to her plans, which actually, as I'm saying it now, is like bringing back to what you said, Gino, about how the society values just whatever is useful to them pragmatically in the moment. She is a representative of that ideology in a way. She only wants the individuals that are useful to her. She only wants the system to benefit her in the ways that it can give her what she feels she deserves and what she wants and what she needs. Now, when Will goes through his high school experience, his experience is like hers, but compressed into like a handful of months because it's just the <laughs> beginning of freshman year. That's true. Yeah. But he starts out as a, as a hero support, as a sidekick. And what happens when he is made hero support? Does he resent it, get a chip on his shoulder? start lashing out and plotting to try and find a space in the sun. No, he stands up to his dad, the most impressive hero in the world, and says, I'm proud to be hero support. I like my friends. I think that this is, like, there's value in this. When he is, when he finds his powers and he is turned into a hero, he doesn't immediately jump into the hero world. He's reluctant and he kind of straddles both sides. He gets pulled in by the glitz and glamour of it. He likes being a golden boy. But at the same time, even at, like, right before the movie's, like, low moment at the end of Act 2, he's still trying to, like, I want my other friends here at this house party that you, Gwen, have, like, manipulated me into throwing and Gwen has to put in a lot of effort to divide Will from his friends and tell Layla Will doesn't like you everyone knows you like him you're trash and when Will finds out that Gwen is actually a real jerk he immediately is like you are not the person I thought you were this whole thing is messed up I want my friends back Will's behavior in the exact same I mean in the similar circumstances to Gwen's behavior is entirely opposite of Gwen Gwen resented her place in hero support uh, because she felt she deserved to be a hero. When she got the second chance to be a hero, she loved the position, she lorded over it, and she used that opportunity to try and give herself even more power because she was an egomaniac. Will, when put in that position, accepted his circumstances, saw the value in it. When his circumstances changed, he made mistakes, but ultimately 
came back to the realization that even if he was going to be deemed a hero, he still values his friends. He doesn't value being considered great by the other people on his same level. And as a result, it explains why Will gets to be the hero, why he should be the hero, or a hero, just not in like the world sense, like in the hero chorus, but just a hero of the story, and why Gwen is the villain. Because even though the system does kind of It enables all of the worst aspects of her. She's more so just, I think, indicative of the evil of the sort of focus that this society places on material use and egomania and are you the best? Are you going to prove that you're the best? Prove to us you're the best or you're a second-class citizen. And she was already queued up to place way too much importance on being the best and being valued and seen as great by the people around her. So that's for me what it is. She wasn't created by the system, but she was made much worse by it. And Mm. Gino is 100% right. The movie does not stick the landing. (laughs) It does not fix the system. Like the movie spends the whole movie basically showing you why the system doesn't work because you see it through the lens of Will and he gets to see both sides. And at the end, they're like, eh. It could have been so easy, too. Yeah. In that montage, that final montage, Will could have just said, and we got rid of hero support. Now everyone's a hero and everyone gets the same treatment. Yeah. Would have been so easy. That would have been it. (laughs) Definitely very interesting why they decided not to go that way. Well, we certainly have some very heated opinions about Sky High, which we got to discuss today. (laughs) Heated like a fireball thrown by the coolest character in town. War and peace. War and peace. War and peace. Who named this child? Why would you do that to this child? (laughs) Yeah, huh? To wrap up, I want to ask you guys, what would be your ideal superpower if you lived in this world? In this world? Yeah, yeah. This world's in the world of Sky High. I don't know if I want to live in this world. (laughs) Especially since the system doesn't change. Gina's like, I reject the idea of this world. Even besides the whole system thing, the fact that villains are constantly hunting heroes. Yeah, my question is where did the villains come from? Well, some of them come from school. (laughs) A lot of them come from school. Yeah. They point out a few. That's true, yes. Should have been a bigger point. (laughs) I will say there is more social commentary, I think, in Sky High than I mean, I'm not caught up on My Hero Academia, the anime, or the the manga, but so far it feels like, well, I guess that's not totally true. We get some pretty interesting backstories. We're getting off. To, I'm getting off topic. I will, I will <laughs> say, though, one of my big complaints about this movie was that a character with no powers has to learn to adapt to that reality and then suddenly gains powers. But I think the movie handles that a lot better than I remember, because instead of the character struggle being like, oh, I wish I had powers, and then gains powers, and then everything's fine. It's, I wish I had powers, I have to learn what it's like to be in this second-class citizen role, then I gain powers, and now I need to continue my empathy. Yeah. And I think that's a much better message than what I remembered it being. It's the whole power doesn't corrupt, power reveals. Yes. Reveals who you are and how you would behave if you had the opportunity to do whatever you want without consequence. That being said, I don't want to fight people in general. I don't like fighting people. I'm a very skinny, flimsy, no muscles boy. (laughs) So I would like a power that is just useless enough (laughs) to be funny, but not any more useful to be useful. Does that that make sense? To be like placed in positions of martial responsibility. (laughs) Like, all right, go beat up that guy (laughs) over there. I had a, a character in a My Hero Academia D&D game once Whoa. that one of my friends ran. His name was Spoon Boy. His <laughs> power was summoning spoons, not creating spoons. The spoon already had to exist, and he simply oh, transported okay. it to him. He could not control the spoon's movement. Uh-huh. The spoon simply fell into existence next to him. That was his power. So it was like, oh, I know I have a spoon in my kitchen drawer, and then it'll appear next to you. Yeah. Okay. That's it. I will say, if anime <laughs> if anime has taught me anything, it's that no matter what your power is, it can be extremely useful. Yeah. George's Bizarre Adventure, there are characters with the most absurd, useless powers, and you'd think that they have the powers of a god, the way that, that story handles them. My Hero Academia, there's a guy who shoots tape from his elbows. Why it's elbows? True. I don't know. <laughs> Out of all the places to shoot tape, I don't know. Anyway, Spoon Boy, that's my power. What about you, Victoria? I think it'd be cool to have plant powers like Layla or be a shapeshifter like Magenta. I mean, teleportation's always cool. 
I'll take anything. (laughs) (laughs) Victoria, uh, don't you want cloning? I do also want cloning. But then today we had a long conversation about cloning, and I was like, "Hmm, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) See, in general, I'm always like, you know, flying would just be fun. Just Flying would be fun, yeah. Forget the rest of you. I'm just going to fly. But teleporting is just so useful, I think, in any... In any setting. Yeah. I always want teleporting because if I forget something at home, boom, I got it. Back to the office, you know? It's I could just, wake up at 9.45 and get to work at 9.50. That would 950. be incredible. It just saves so much time. <laughs> I and get so lazy. You would not have to spend money on gas. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, it'd be so good. And, like, I wouldn't even... Honestly, the hero course seems like a lot. I don't want to have... Just make me a sidekick. Pair me with a hero. We'll be awesome together. Yeah. I'll just pretend like I can teleport two feet. (laughs) And I'll only ever like teleport two feet until I graduate. And I'm like, I just wanted like the better course. And then as soon as you graduate, you like teleport across the world and your hero is like, you could do this this whole time. I just remembered when you graduate from hero support, you are assigned (gasps) a hero who chooses your name and costume. It's so for messed you. up. That's so messed up. It's, yeah. Oof. Imagine you get assigned, you have no power of this, over to someone who hates you, and they call you're now Poop Boy, <laughs> and your costume's a big poop, like, cardboard cutout. Oh, my gosh. Okay, new new conspiracy theory. The Hero Sport course teacher, I forget his name. He's another, like, well-known actor. He's he, the one who was, like, Will's dad's sidekick, right? Yeah. Jonathan and, Boy. His, he, last, his last name's actually Boy. That's great. He has such great line deliveries where he's like, your dad never mentioned me. <laughs> your, your mom. And that's good because that's what hero support is for. And you're Aww. like, oh. He plays his role so good. But anyway, new conspiracy theory. There's a moment where when Will's transferred to the Hero Chorus, he's like, hey, if you ever need a sidekick, I still do a little freelance. Why would hero support have to, like, mandatorily be paired to a hero they have no control over and have their costume and their name chosen? They said, like, oh, it's just for the colors, just for, like, better, like, PR. Why would the school care about it if they're just going off into the world? This school is a feeder school, I think, for a giant company. Mm. Oh. I think this is a feeder school for a giant company that manages all these superheroes and takes care of all of their like very complicated specific needs of existing within society. And that's why Jonathan Boy is like, hey, if you still need a sidekick, I still do a little freelance because he is no longer part of the company. He's in the school, but he does freelance work, super powered freelance work on the side separate from whatever unseen grand shadowy hand influences these heroes. I'm liking this conspiracy theory. Sky Ooh. High 2 coming this fall. Yeah. Sky <laughs> 2. I think there was talks of like making another Sky High and it was going to be Sky High University or something. Oh. About like the characters when they go to college. I think it would be cool if someone made another version of Sky High but actually explored what the world was like. Yeah. Because it's very much a contained bubble. It's like only, like, things are only happening in Sky High. We have no idea how it affects the world at large, what the world at large thinks of heroes. They're basically like celebrities, I guess. Yeah. Very fascinating stuff. That's Sky High. Yeah. Check it out on Disney+. And also... Other websites. <laughs> <laughs> Wink. I don't know. <laughs> Wink, nudge, nod. You can all see that over the podcast yeah. feed. We're beaming it right to your brain. In the meantime, be careful who you date, and we'll see you next time on Nostalgia Club. In the meantime, don't groom children. Yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to Nostalgia Club. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us on Twitter at underscore Nostalgia Club and on Instagram at Nostalgia Club Podcast. Leave a comment, give us a rating, and subscribe. You can also send us an email with your suggestions for what we should review next at nostalgiaclubpodcast at gmail.com. Wait, who's going to call Casey? We all will. We all call Casey. We all call Casey and we all explain the plot to Sky High over the phone at once. At once? This is something I came to the conclusion of yesterday. (laughs) I have my heart set on it. Okay. I can be talked out of it. (laughs) Are we doing this right now?
Hello, this is Casey's cell phone. I'm either in the studio or screening for spam phone calls, so leave a message. Hi, Casey. This is your regularly scheduled spam call. Uh, yeah, we were just wondering if you had seen Sky High, but you're not here to tell us whether you have or haven't otherwise. So we're going to assume that you haven't and that you desperately need to know the plot summarized to you within a minute. You're welcome. All right, so here we go. Okay, so Sky High is about a kid named Will Stronghold uh, who lives in a society of superheroes. He doesn't have powers, powers, and his parents think he does. But he goes to school, (laughs) and he's placed in the hero support course. That devalues you and your fellow citizens? But being placed in the hero support course, he stands up for himself and his friends. But then he gets in a fight, and he learns that he has superpowers. And he goes in the hero support course and falls in love with a superpowered upperclassman who's actually a super Villain. And they will never receive and this super villain, equal treatment. Uh, she's actually, actually a 40-year-old yeah, she's a 40-year-old woman, woman and she's planning like to take guts? all of these heroes and turn them you into babies so she can create a supervillain academy because she feels slighted by the school. Um, but the, all their characters defeat her, <laughs> and, and the sidekicks and hero support uh, save <laughs> the day, crazy. and they earn their time in the That's sun. Insane. But the system doesn't change Obi-Wan at the end. Kenobi. He's pretty great. He's got kids. Anyway, that's time. Anyways. Yeah, that's Sky High's plot in a nutshell. Good luck editing, Casey. I hope you listen to this. Bye. Bye. (laughs) We're live. We'll return after a message from these. (laughs) (laughs) It's our best one yet.